Looking for the latest perspectives to help simplify changing market conditions? Go to Nationwide, one of America's largest financial services companies. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, FINRA member, Columbus, Ohio. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com earnings right now. NetSuite.com earnings. Welcome to the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. I'm Tom Keen, along with Jonathan Farrell and Lisa Abramowitz. Daily, we bring you insight from the best in economics, finance, investment, and international relations. Find Bloomberg Surveillance on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Bloomberg.com, and of course, on the Bloomberg Terminal. Chris Morangi joins us right now, co-CIO at Cabelli Funds, and we do this with a broader sweep of Lisa and I getting to the evening and Wall Street week. Chris Morangi, I want you to help us frame your investment thesis, the courage right now to invest for 2024. How do you do that? How do you develop a two or even three-year perspective? Well, thanks, Tom. Yeah, that's exactly what we're looking at. We're trying to look out three to five years what are the good industries? What are the good companies in those industries? How bad is bad? Can the companies that we're looking at make it through whatever comes in the next 18 months? Uh, so, you know, when you look at it that way, we're pretty calm. Um, you know, we think, as Jamie uh, Diamond pointed out yesterday, economy is going to be much bigger than it is today in five, 10 years. Uh, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of balls in the air now. We're not going to get them all right. But we try to pick, uh, we try to do the best we yeah, can to pick the best companies. Lisa, my research comment yesterday was from David George at Baird, who really leaned in and said, would everybody calm down about the hurricane that's out there? This on J.P. Morgan, of course. George just simply saying, lose the hurricane. Well, and that seems to be actually what J.P. Morgan's Jamie Dimon was saying, too. There might be a hurricane. We are expecting recession. But right now, things look pretty good. But Chris, you know, you talk pretty constructively, and yet you talk about the six eyes late last year. Inflation, interest rates infrastructure, income taxes, and international relations and infection. And today you add inversion or implosion. That doesn't sound very optimistic. How do you dovetail the pessimism into your longer term optimism? Yeah, there's no question that we're going to, we've got some volatility um, and we're watching all the same things everybody else is. You know, it's obviously Wall Street's on its keister. Main Street seems to be doing a little bit better, although obviously some signs of stress. And um, those we're going to be watching carefully, the same data that uh, you mentioned earlier. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me that we you know, see a recession um, very soon. I think it's probably shallow, probably a little lengthier, though, than uh, a lot of people hope. What about the infrastructure uh, and the income taxes? I mean, we have a lot to do on the former and we pay way too much in the latter. That's not going to change. No. And, you know, obviously news this morning uh, that the. Uh, the most powerful Joe in Washington, Joe Manchin, uh, seems to have quashed uh, any effort to get a, a Build Back Better bill done uh, this term. Um, so, 
yeah, that's kind of delayed. I think one of the, I don't know if you call it pleasant surprises, but one of the things I was surprised about over the last couple of years has been that we haven't seen movement on on taxes. That's something that we need to get in order uh, probably, you know, in the next term. Um, but obviously we've got some near-term issues to deal with. On rates, Chris, everyone's talking about 75 versus 100 and what we're going to see the following meeting. But I think if you step back and look at the bigger picture, it's more important, especially if you see the framework coming back down into 2023. Is that how you see it? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, you know, I, I share Bill Ackman's perspective that we probably need to get after this as quickly and aggressively as possible. Um, maybe that means 100 at the next meeting. Uh, but, you know, it's, at some point that gives the Fed right. the ability to cut and to stimulate again. Chris, we're doing Wall Street Week tonight. Can we go Mario Gabelli on you? Can you give me your single best idea after we go to the elves? Absolutely. And it's the same one that I've had for the last several months, and that's Liberty Braves. I don't want to talk about my New York Yankees this morning. I want to talk about a public company, an ability to own one of 30 uh, Major League Baseball teams, one that happens to be doing pretty well, um, but you know, controlled by the John Malone Liberty Media empire and um, likely to be spun off and sold in the next 18 months. It's trading at 25, which implies a billion and a half value for the team. This team's going for closer to $3 billion probably. There you go. Chris Moranga here on Wall Street Week. Thank you so much, Chris. With Gabelli Funds, of course. Claudia Sam has been listening on in the foreign moment of Jerome Powell, central banker to the world. She's founder of Sam uh, Consulting. And most importantly, Claudia Sam of the Sam Rule, what an oddity of recession gloom into a fully employed America. Let's get this phrase that was never in the Michigan textbooks. Can you have a recession in a fully employed economy? At this point, we can have anything. I mean, nothing would surprise me. It, it is absolutely unusual to have a recession and like to see activity, to see GDP contracting for two, two quarters straight and at the same time have low unemployment and massive job gains. So we might have what I've heard called a job full recession. Yeah. This is not usual. You grew up in the crucible, academically grew up in the crucible of inflation study. Michigan is the franchise for studying folks, the slicing and dicing. Should our bankers be looking at top line inflation or the trimmed inflation or the core inflation or the SOM inflation? Well, so monetary policymakers ought to be looking at every piece of inflation, both the top line stripping out of food and energy and also the components. Like we really need to understand what's driving this to understand where it's going. Now, one thing that I have heard from Jerome Powell that is disconcerting is the idea that top line, including these massive energy swings, will help guide their policy. That's problematic uh, because we know food and energy whips all around. And frankly, the Fed, those are supply problems. They can't do anything about that. So it's that is hard to hear. Um, but. It is true. We've had big energy increases. And what they are concerned about is that consumers look at that and they start expecting more inflation. They change their behavior and they cause more inflation. And that would be 
that'd be bad. Well, and Claudia, this is the reason why uh, the Fed is between a rock and a hard place. They don't want to cause recession, but they also don't want to allow those inflation expectations to become entrenched. You have basically argued that the Fed should do what it needs to do to take down inflation. Other supply side issues are not their issue, though. It really is Congress and what happens in Washington. And as a result, the Fed shouldn't go too far. At this point, given the lack of action in Congress, what is too far? How far should the Fed eventually go, just expecting that we're not going to get anything in terms of legislation in a split Congress? Yeah, well, we learned last night that Senator Joe Manchin is walking away from any kind of energy legislation. And that's that means the Fed is on its own. The administration has floated nothing that will get gas prices down. So now it's up to the Fed that inflation will be transitory one way or the other. The Fed will guarantee that that's not what we're going to want. They're going to the Fed will try their hardest to avoid a recession. But what they are doing right now, the full effect of it comes next year. And that's nobody knows what's coming next year. We got to have some things in the world uh, go our way. And that has not been the case for two and a half years. So it's not a pretty picture. And frankly, as Congress walks away, it's getting worse. Claudia, the timing seems really bad here because the Fed is going all out, guns a-blazing. We're talking about a full percentage point increase right at a time when it looks like inflation really has peaked. I mean, if you look at the Bloomberg commodity indexes on the ags, on the metals, on the oils, they're all coming down markedly. Um, do you think we're going to see inflation? Uh, where do you think we're going to see inflation at the end of the year? And is the Fed still going to be headed up towards four? This was part of the reason that the CPI print this this week was so crushing. Like the Fed is not going to stop until they see inflation, published inflation from the Bureau of Labor Statistics coming down in a meaningful way. Right. We've been head faked by supply chains getting better and then Putin shows up and then they get worse again or China shuts down and they get worse again. So the Fed needs to see it. Yeah. And we haven't seen it. Right. Claudia, into the weekend, what's your so what to the five or six deciles of America flat on their back with massive negative real wage growth? I mean, what, what, how, how do we deal with that? I've never seen an integrand like that, the area below the zero line. Yeah, well, we got to get inflation down. Right. The, the labor market is strong. People are they're getting jobs. They're getting paychecks. We've seen wage raises a little bit less recently. You got to get inflation down. You got to get the purchasing power right now. Households have a lot of them have some money on the side right, from the relief packages and the labor market that's been strong. Yeah. So that is helping with spending, but that can only go on so long. And income is the best predictor of spending. Spending is the biggest part of activity of yeah. GDP. That's, you know. Okay, Claudia, thank you so much for the Friday brief. Claudia Sam getting us here into the weekend. Her acclaimed Sam rule uh, as well. Seeking timely market and economic updates to help guide client conversations? Look to Nationwide. Nationwide makes simplicity a priority for financial professionals by offering easy access to timely perspectives on changing market conditions, so more time can be focused on helping clients keep their financial plans on track. Nationwide is on your side. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, FINRA member, Columbus, Ohio. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. 
It's dedication, it's fortitude, and it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Right now, this is a great joy. Thomas Michaud is CEO of Keith Briette and Woods, KBW. It's a steeple company. But far more, he is our great voice on the state of American banking. He's not a security analyst. He's actually out there trying to do business. Thomas Michaud, where is the American banking industry, and for that matter, for Wells Fargo, in 36 months? So Wells Fargo, I think, is, is a unique situation unto itself because of the transition there. And, and I've been listening to the results just as they've just been coming out, and I haven't had a chance to dig into them. However, I think this – it depends who you are, Tom, in my opinion, what type of bank you are and what your business mix is. Because the big money center banks – Essentially, parts of their business are already in recession, and recession is the central point to everything in the banking industry because it's going to drive what happens to revenues and then what happens to credit. So uh, the investment banks right now are showing declining revenues. Uh, revenues were down 11 percent from Morgan Stanley. We think anyone, any bank with a big investment banking business is going to have a tough run on revenues. At the same time, don't forget what the core regional banks are doing. We've had two regional banks report so far. First Republic's revenues were up 22% year over year, while Morgan Stanley's were down 11. Washington Federal, which reported yesterday, was up 17%, while JP Morgan's revenues were flat. So, and, and so I think it depends what your business mix is. And then we should also have a conversation about credit. All right. So, Tom, before we get there, what's the leading indicator here, the Wall Street or the Main Street? I, I personally think the Main Street because there's a there's a, a smaller number of uh, investment banks for the industry. The big investment banks, the, the write downs that you mentioned earlier, uh, 100 percent. That's that's a real issue, which is. Credit spreads have widened out, and as credit spread, and I think that's been already part of the story of this quarter, which is the marks on a lot of these assets. These are not the assets that regional banks own. These are these are the assets that the big banks own. So I think their dilemma and their challenges are different, and it's also going to be quite stark 
because last year was such an incredible year. Cool. So the comparisons are, are dramatic. Don't forget that JP Morgan had a difficult quarter and earned 16 on equity. Morgan Stanley had a difficult quarter and earned 15 on equity. So I think you have to remember the underlying basis of the companies but is still pretty good. Sure, Tom, we're not looking at a meltdown in the financial sector. There is a question though, as Larry McDonald said, at what point do markets overtake the economy? Do they take overtake the narrative uh, in the broader world? How much are we looking at a difficulty of companies raising money, and I speak to you as someone who has a bird's eye view into investment yes. banking activity through KBW. I think the world has changed, and I think every day that goes by, it's changing more. I think your, my own personal opinion about the inevitability of a recession continues to grow. And, I, and, I, and, and there are actually pockets of business that feel like they're already there. If you're in the equity, the equity capital markets have essentially ceased. These businesses are down, ceased operations. They're down 70, 80 percent. So if, if that already feels like a recession, if you're in the mortgage origination business, uh, that is going to feel like a recession. We're looking for originations to be down 41 percent. So so I think that this is going to be somewhat of a rolling uh, experience. The question is really, is it a crisis? I, I think it's I think it's inevitable that we're going to have a technical recession. The question is, is it a mild recession or a crisis? As of now, my instincts are not a crisis, but but I think it's inevitable that this economy is slowing and and I'm watching forecasts and I'm watching real GDP already send these signals. I, I wonder how the housing market plays into that, Tom, especially because we're talking about Wells Fargo, but also because I've seen the terms mark to market used in um, bank earnings reports the last couple of days, Morgan Stanley and JP Morgan. Fortunately, consumers don't have to do that, but the consumer really stretched to get the most unaffordable houses um, that they could over the last few quarters. And if we go into a recession, is that a problem for these banks? I think the underwriting has been extraordinarily sound. I mean, first of all, when when non-performers go up, which they will, the surprise shouldn't be that they've gone up. The surprise should be that they were zero for so long. Um, it's a remarkable how pristine. This is the most pristine I've seen the ratios in my yeah. career. So it's inevitable that it's going to right. go up. But where's the real big risk? I, I, I'll say two quick points. The shadow banking industry exploded in size during zero interest rate policy. So I think it's going to be very, very keen to watch what happens in the shadow banking industry. There's a right. lot of credit. It's, it's four times the size of the banking industry, we think. Right. Okay? That's number one. Number two is the majority of Dodd-Frank was really good. And, and so these banks have more capital, more liquidity. They right. may have higher non-performers, but <clears throat> I, I think they're going to be able to churn through it, the average bank. Right. Uh, Tom, Michelle, Jamie on Park Avenue just emailed in and said, can Michelle talk about a real bank? So let's do that right now, Tom, Michelle. The Keith Briette honor roll in honor of Dave Barry are the banks out there that are getting it done. And one of them is First National Bank of Long Island. What can James Diamond, what can Brian Moynihan, what can Mr. Sharp? What can they learn from the operation that you've awarded of the First National Bank of Long Island? Well, companies like uh, uh, that bank, okay, uh, keep it very, very simple. 
um, and um, and and they and they tend to, to take a lot of collateral, and they don't require a lot of market activity to generate revenue. They're very spread based. Um, now they have challenges because technology is impacting yeah. their business. They need to afford it. But I think the key the key part about that is we just went through a very long period of time of zero interest rates. Spread lending was not built to really excel when interest rates were zero. We, it, it, as long as we don't get into a crisis, we get a higher right. rate environment. It's actually going to be okay for a typical regional Tom, bank. I got 30 seconds. How do they survive digital banking? How does every other bank out there, the heritage of KBW, how do they survive my mobile cell phone and my Chase account? They better get it. They better get on the trend because customer usage is here. COVID accelerated uh, in five months during COVID. Right. We did about four years of adoption. They better get on board or they will become dinosaurs. And we're seeing them working hard to do it. But there probably will be more consolidation. Okay. Uh, for that reason. Thanks for the brief. Been too long. Thomas showed of KBW there with Wells Fargo reporting. joy always to speak with Vincent Reinhardt. He and uh, uh, Carmen Reinhardt, his wife, wrote the essay of the pandemic on the global slowdown that now very much is clear. And on a global basis, they absolutely nailed the pandemic slowdown, some of it due to the political and social policies uh, seen in Asia. He is chief economist at Dreyfus in Mellon. Vince Reinhardt, the last time you were on, you were absolutely lights out on domestic analysis this morning. I have to speak to you about Jerome Powell, as central banker to the world, and his good fortune to have Secretary Yellen assisting an EM crisis. Moments ago, folks, the nation of Chile intervened in currency markets to provide for an appreciation of the Chilean uh, peso. What's shocking, Vince Reinhardt, is even with the intervention by uh, Chile to strengthen the Chilean peso, it barely moved the needle. Uh, uh, Vince moving two standard deviations. At best, it's a 27% appreciation across where, what they need to accomplish given the damage. At this moment, how urgent is it for Secretary Yellen to speak to Christina Gorgieva of the IMF about EM falling apart? Look, when the Federal Reserve raises interest rates, and we know the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates, uh, that pulls capital into financial centers and away uh, from EM. EM had a tough pandemic that they could, in part, smooth over by fiscal largesse. That deteriorates balance sheets. Uh, and we're, we're going to be seeing that in, 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 in the year to come. So it's going to be a tough, tough time for EM. Any time the Fed is in a firming cycle, uh, it's tough for financial conditions generally. Right. And this will be an extremely tight firming cycle. Vince Reinhardt, across all of your academic work, there's always the amateur compare and contrast with 1998. I'm going to time, t call that a time of naivete and a time of leverage. Do we have comfort now that we're less naive do we have comfort now that we're less leveraged than August of 1998? 
Look, anytime financial prices move a lot, you learn something about somebody's balance sheet. You don't know who that is and what you learn. So I'm not going to say that uh, uh, it's all clear. What do we know? We do know big banks are much better capitalized and are more rigorously monitored witness the stress test. We do know there's a lot more transparency in the documentation, lots more reliance on the big utilities of clearing and settlement. That's all good. We also know, among other things, that the Treasury market is less liquid now than it was back then. Uh, that's part of the consequence of QE, part of the consequence of, of, of big Treasury issuance, and it's also part of the ca- consequence of asking big banks to have a lot of capital. They don't really want to commit as much to trading as they used to. And they're shoring so that up. I'd say it's a mixed bag. Yeah. I mean, what a great what a great position from which to go into a recession, Vince, right? Uh, the big banks uh, shoring up their fortress balance sheets. The consumer um, has money in the bank and their unemployment rate at 3.6%. Do you think we're in a recession? Uh, so I, I sort of interesting, technically, might we be in a recession? I'll await the Atlanta Fed's GDP now for later in the day. Retail control uh, was better than expected, uh, but last month was revised down and quarterly arithmetic uh, counts that more important. Uh, don't know if we are. It's not much of one because we've had 400,000 jobs nearly uh, printed each month for the last four months. I worry about the recession later in the year and, and, and next year. That will be more significant. If we're in a recession right now, it's, it's, it's mostly an inventory and a trade cycle, pretty, yeah. pretty damp. But it might just mean that the slope's going down to the more significant problems we have later in the year as the Fed tightens more. Vince, just real quick here, given the consumer data that we've seen and the fact that they do continue to spend, whether it's with credit cards or or not, uh, their balance sheets look like they are in a pretty good position. How quickly could they turn over to achieve some of the negative scenarios that a lot of forecasters have out there? Yeah, and added to your list is the uh, retained saving from all the fiscal largesse of 2000 and 2021. Uh, that's that's still over a trillion trillion dollars. So that helps household. Unfortunately, helps uh, it, it it's skewed to higher income households who manage their balance sheets uh, better. So uh, I think there can be some issues going down the road. Uh, remember also that uh, yeah, the unemployment rate is three six, but real wages are declining. Uh, so actually, real household income income is is is, is going down. Uh, that will be a problem. Uh, and then the last thing to note is uh, some of uh, the benefits households have had from government policies are more forbearance, not forgiveness. Uh, uh, that's that's going away, and and that therefore will expose their balance sheets more. Uh, it's not going to be a household recession, I don't think. I th- I think. Um, uh, households are better positioned in the U.S., uh, not as obvious uh, in other places of the world, but but mm-hmm. U.S. is more of, a, more, of, more of that fortress balance sheet. Vincent, thank you so much. Dr. Reinhardt uh, with uh, Adreyfus and Mellon this morning. Vincent Reinhardt, of course, has decades of work at the Federal Reserve for uh, the nation. This is the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. Thanks for listening. Join us live weekdays from 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio and on Bloomberg Television each day from 6 to 9 a.m. for Insight 
from the best in economics, finance, investment, and international relations, and subscribe to the Surveillance Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Bloomberg.com, and of course, on The Terminal. I'm Tom Keen, and this is Bloomberg. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.